Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Calm Unity podcast. I'm your host, Timber Zaccardi. Calm Unity is a podcast about womanhood and well being, joy, and justice. From serious to silly, we're having conversations that connect us and sharing stories that have shaped us. We practice empathy and explore what integrity and community care means to each of us. We believe politics are personal and we don't shy away from nuanced topics. I am exploring these things in my personal life on a daily basis, and as your host, I'm sharing my own thoughts, experiences, and stories with you here. Welcome. Hey everyone, I am so glad that you found your way to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. I'm so grateful to have you here, and I hope that you enjoy this episode and this conversation that I have with Jenna Rammel. You might recognize Jenna from Instagram, at Jenna's Kitchen, and I was so excited to have her on the show today. We talked about empathy, conformity, um, existing in this wild modern social media world that we live in now. Um, We touch a little bit on the challenges that I think so many of us face in cultivating adult female friendships. We talk a little bit about how Instagram and (laughs) just socializing in general as an adult female in Utah often feels a little bit like high school did. Um, and we also talk about finding belonging within yourself, which I think that if you know Jenna or if you followed her for a long time is really the core message behind a lot of the work that she does and a lot of the things that she talks about is finding that belonging within yourself. And Jenna is one of very few bloggers that I've been following for years and have always felt very drawn to her energy. She's always come across as really authentic, and I believe that she has a gift for embodying compassion and extending empathy to everyone everywhere, and that is why I wanted to have her on the show today. We also talk about how she had a really non-traditional upbringing where she grew up half of the time in Utah and half of the time in the Middle East with her parents who were working there for years. And that's something that I've always been really interested in learning more about from Jenna, which I had the opportunity to ask her about. So anyway, I had a lot of fun talking to Jenna. I had so many more questions and conversation prompts that we weren't able to get to because the time goes by really fast. So uh, forgive any awkwardness on my part in this episode, but I know that you'll love hearing from Jenna. She always has wisdom and wit (laughs) to share with all of us. So if you don't already know her, um, I think you're going to adore her after this episode. And I hope that you'll go find her on Instagram at Jenna's Kitchen. And she also has a podcast, which we mention at the end of the episode, and I'll link in the show notes, called Dear Jenna. My favorite episodes of her podcast are episode number two, when she talks about loving your body outside of its shape and size and weight. Um, And I also love 
episode number five of her show when she talks about uh, being adopted. And she gives some advice to one of her listeners about how they can support their adopted spouse. So even though I'm not adopted, my spouse is not adopted. Uh, Adoption isn't necessarily a circumstance that I'm dealing with in my life directly, but I just loved everything that she had to say and share in that episode. So you can get to know Jenna a lot more if you pop over to her podcast as well. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Jenna and I'm positive that you'll find something that resonates with you here. Hi, Jenna. Timber. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank it's you so been much. a struggle to get here for us, but I'm so glad we're doing this. It has. <laughs> Jenna and I have had a rough road getting to today, but I am just exceedingly grateful for you and your time and your willingness to still be here with me. So do you want to tell our my listeners just a little bit about... Um, what you've been going through the last couple of months, because the day that we were supposed to record together in March, it was March, right? That was already March 11, a few months yeah. ago. Um, Jenna was in a major accident. So would you mind like sharing just a little bit about that? Yeah. What's well, so I'll, I'll tell about the accident and then I'll tell how you immediately came to mind when I got in my accident. I don't think oh I told you the story, <laughs> but um, so I was, I was skiing and for many reasons I was skiing. I was going through a personal, um, like a business issue in my life that kind of came up and had been really hard for me for the last month. And so prior to that accident, and so I was trying to just, and I'd gone into 2021 really openly vocally saying, I just want to have fun. I feel like I've hustled in my business, hustled in my family, growing these babies, growing my family, my income, my business my marriage. And it's just like been a lot of hard work and I wanted to visit 2021. And obviously after last year, I just wanted to have some fun. And so I was trying to do fun things in my life. And I was, uh, March 11th, I was skiing with a girlfriend. We would go every single week. Um, and skiing was new to me. I mean, I started last year, but really got into it this year and really made the commitment because my whole family skis, my little boys, they are on race teams at the, at the ski resort. And I was, yeah, I was always feeling a little left behind because Andrew, my husband was off skiing with the boys and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I, who cares that I'm 35? Like I can figure this out. So I did, and I was getting really good and I loved it (laughs) and I, and I still love it, but I'll have to reframe some, some brain pathogens and nerve and nerve nerve endings and all those things to get back up there again. But so we were skiing. (laughs) Yeah, we were skiing and just racing down the mountain, trying to get to an appointment. And, um, I think at that point it was like 12 o'clock. And if I remember right, our podcast was like at one or something. Is that true? One or two or something. Mm -hmm. And I skiing, 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 coming down the hill, almost to the, almost to the lift. And my, it was a choppy day. So it was like fresh snow, but also old snow. So it was icy, but choppy. And so the conditions were constantly changing. And I just, stormy day. I remember that. Yeah. It was a stormy day. Like, yeah. Like visibility wasn't good. And 
Anyway, all those things combined. And I remember getting on the lift and my, my boot was just kind of like, didn't feel very tight. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I should tighten my boot. Of course I didn't tighten my boot. So I came, you know, my ski caught an edge and I just went flipping around and then my boot didn't come off. So my Mm -hmm. knee came around and just crashed right into the mountain with my ski. (laughs) Yeah. With my skis still attached going, who knows how many miles per hour. Oh my gosh. And it was like, I've never been shot, but (laughs) so I feel like it's very unfair of me to say it felt like I got shot in the knee, but maybe that's how it felt. I really don't know. I can't say, but that's how I would describe it based on limited knowledge of how it feels to get shot. So, um, immediate pain, like wailing, crying people around me were like, do you need help? Can you get back up? And I said, no, I need help. So I'm laying there shaking, crying, and just like immense amounts of pain. My girlfriend, Shelly, had already gotten down to the lift. And so she took off her skis, hiked all the way back up. I'm handing her my phone. I'm like, call Andrew. Like the the ski patrol comes. They're trying to put me in a toboggan. (laughs) And I'm yelling at Shelly. I'm like, I have a one o'clock. You have to text my assistant to cancel my one o'clock. And my one o'clock was Timber. And the podcast is like, all that I could think about was, oh "Oh my gosh, because we had rescheduled it for that day. And I was like, she's going to think I just don't want to be on her podcast because I do, but I just, the universe was working against me and us in every way. So And you were so sweet and kind and wonderful and loving. And that was so great. But that was one of my first things out of my mouth was cancel that and let her know I can't be there. But, um, yeah, then I just got toboggan down the hill and taken an ambulance and, uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks discovered I had a full ACL tear and a meniscus tear like ACL rupture. So completely gone. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I had surgery March 23rd and I think I'm like 10 or 11 weeks out from reconstruction of my knee. So it's been quite the journey for me. Um, yeah. I taught, I talked about it on my podcast and I had a couple people be like, get over that. It's not that big of a deal, but I just don't know anyone who's had this surgery that will say that to you. It's like a really, it's, it's like, it's a very common thing. You know, people who got their ACL, you know, I think it's a very common thing. I didn't realize how painful and how mentally challenging it would be. But it's, yeah, it's like so intensive and invasive and you have to learn to walk again and you have to like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just because yeah, so 11, it doesn't mean that it's not very difficult <laughs> to get through. Yeah, you know, I think that like there something I've learned about in my decade online is that mm-hmm. for some reason there's a group of people and a thought and a core belief that that there are there's like a ranking system of of what we can feel sorry for ourselves about even, or, you know, experience pain in, and it's like certain things they pass the test and other things they don't pass the test. And if, if you, you know, are a certain demographic or a certain, um, type of person, then you also aren't allowed to have that pain. It's just like this, this measuring metric system. I haven't quite been able to figure out because I don't even care to, because it doesn't, 
it doesn't apply. I don't think in life, but it is interesting. It is interesting what people, what people think is okay to suffer from. Sure. It's interesting. I almost don't know if you ever could figure it out though, because I would imagine being online for as long as you have and like existing and working online and having such a huge audience. I almost feel like it doesn't matter maybe what you might go through. There will always be people that decide that it's not worthy of suffering through or talking about. And every time I hear you talk about this, you know, your accident and surgery and recovery and everything online or anything else, it never feels like you're complaining. I just feel like you must know yourself well enough that I think everything comes out really authentically, but yeah, I just feel like there will always be, like you said, that group of people that will deem your suffering like unworthy, but I kind of think that it doesn't (laughs) maybe matter what you're going through, that they would find something wrong with the way you're talking about it or how it's coming across. I just, right. And I think, you know, it's just true that everyone is a mirror. And so if you're looking at someone and they're bothering you and the fact that they're owning their feelings and that they're walking through that experience. And I mean, thank you for saying I didn't complain. I definitely felt like I complained at times for sure. I, it was terrible and I hated every, almost every second, <laughs> but well, we should all be to complain once in a while too. I also think like, yeah. we're all allowed to complain sometimes. I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean that you don't have like context or perspective on all the different ways that you're like blessed or privileged, but like exactly, exactly to complain. Right. And I think there's like this kind of, there really is toxic positivity in our culture where it's like, because I am blessed. And also I think this happens a lot with religion. It's like, because I have these things, you know, there's this hymn because I have been given much. It's like, I have all these blessed And so therefore I'm, it's good perspective. Like, wow, I have so much to be grateful for. The things that I was grateful for with this was like, I have a plan. This isn't a chronic illness. Like I have doctors and a surgeon and physical therapist that tell me I will get better. Like it will take a year to feel like myself again. And wow, that feels like big and daunting. And I'm a very active person. And so what does that look like for me, for my kids, from, for, you know, everything in life? Mm-hmm. Um, cause it turns out you need your knee for like everything, <laughs> but, um, but I, I could find gratitude. So, so it's a good practice to be able to find the good things and the gratitude within these challenges, within these struggles. And it's also okay to have that duality of, wow, even though I have a plan and even though I know I'm going to get better, I don't feel good today. And I feel very overwhelmed and this feels very dark and very painful and I can't figure out my next step. And just that simple acknowledgement and because we all had this inner child that was not validated with that, didn't have that empathy in their life. And so we can give ourselves the empathy that that person on the internet or the person in real life doesn't want to give you. That's okay. That's their own pain of not being validated themselves. And they can't see why they're so triggered and activated by the fact that you are giving yourself that empathy that you are saying, 
this sucks. Like, just so you know, I don't want to actually do this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it the best way I know how. And I'm grateful for this, 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 and this, you know, it's just, I've talked about this a lot, this idea of instead of saying, but like say, and, you know, like this sucks and I'm grateful for the lessons, you know? Yeah. That's something that I've mentioned a few times in a few of my episodes here too, is switching that language. Like I really try to embrace and both thinking and language rather than either, or, you know, and I do think, yeah, there's so much like nuance between toxic positivity or like bypassing, you know, things with positivity. And there is a distinct difference between like having perspective and acknowledging that it's okay to have bad days or complain that you had to have major surgery on a body part that is crucial to your moving and living. (laughs) And, and I think that sometimes too, like, I don't know, because I don't have the same like exposure and stuff that you have online, but I feel like sometimes people think that if you share something online that you're like looking to be validated, but I think that we should all feel free to like share authentically, you know, and, but it doesn't mean you're looking for people to validate that for you. It's just, I think that sometimes all we need is to be able to complain out loud or talk about something out loud and just have people like sit with us in it. You know, we don't need anyone to like validate it for us or say anything to make it better. I mean, sometimes we just like, don't want to be alone in the suffering. And like, I think that we could all remember to just remind each other that I'll just sit in this with you. Yeah. I feel like you're totally right. Like I don't need messages. I mean, it's so nice. Like I honestly feel like I don't know how people would get through this without the support I had. Like it was so helpful in my mindset to keep going. And I feel like therefore in my healing, I have so much longer to go, but I feel like I'm so much farther ahead than a lot of people in this experience because of my own practices, my own tools, and then the support of other people. So I absolutely believe in collective energy and thoughts and goodness coming together. There's, there's no doubt about that for me. I just feel like I've never I've never felt like I'm a guru. I'm a mentor. Like, come follow me. I have it all figured out. For (laughs) me, I feel like I show my life experience almost in real time because I'm a student of life and learning and figuring this crazy shit out on a daily basis. And I feel like I just want to bring people along with me. I'm not there just to make you feel sorry for me or to make you feel jealous of me or knowing full well, I can't even control those feelings within you anyhow. But I literally feel like the, my purpose and intention behind why I share online is to say, I'm a person figuring it out too. You probably are too. It looks different for you than it does for me. And I look different than you, but together we're learning the same lessons in different packages. And so what does that look like? Where are we going? Let's do it together. And so that to me is, is, is why I share what I share. I love that. 
however I might feel about what you post or share or anybody else, like you said, it's more of a reflection of me and we're all here to just be ourselves and we're all very different and we all are going to go through lots of different (laughs) experiences. And I think if we start like thinking that we know what's best for other people, then that's when we start to get in trouble. Well, it's a really dangerous place to be because you don't, the fact is you don't know what's good for somebody else. You don't know what's best for somebody else. We don't even know that for our children. And I think that's something that we have to reshape that is scary and new because our parents really did and often do feel like they do know what's best. But, um, I feel like that's something over time that I've felt a great evolution in my own family is my own parents. I feel like they stepped away from really strongly believing that they knew what was best for me and my brother Mm -hmm. to moving away to really knowing that we're sovereign humans. We are, are, we are in charge of us and nobody else. And it can feel scary. You know, I look at my little kids and I love to design their life ahead of them and (laughs) tell them, you know, teach them, you know, things to avoid. And I definitely will do those things, but it's scary to think that they're on their own, but it's also really freeing for me as their mom to know that I don't have, I don't get to make their choices. I don't get to make their choices for them. And so they get to show up uniquely as themselves. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off of me. Like I'm going to do my best and teach them how to be good people. But I, I think that must've felt like a lot of pressure for our parents' generation. That was like, if you don't do this, if you don't get them here, if you don't get them to church, if you don't teach this, if then everything they'll fail. And <laughs> that must've been overwhelming. Don't you think? Totally. That sounds exhausting. I'm with you. I've tried to parent that way in a very, I just feel like I'm just here to love my kids and hold space for them to turn into who they will be. Does feel really liberating for me as a mom. And I think for my kids to just feel free to be who they are. And so maybe this is a good pivot because one of the reasons (laughs) that I wanted to have you on the show was because I talk a lot about empathy and like connectedness and the way that we are all intrinsically connected to each other, whether we realize it or not. And I think that sometimes, even if we're taught empathy and compassion growing up, if we don't have exposure to people who live differently than us or believe differently than us or look differently than us, um, there are, I, I feel like there are like levels of empathy and compassion that we can't really learn until we experience them. And you had a really unique upbringing. I just kind of feel like your energy to me, even when you type out a caption on Instagram, I just, I feel like the energy is always comes through whether we're reading something or talking to somebody and you always seem to really embody compassion and empathy and acceptance for others. And so I can't help but think that the way that you were brought up, like has contributed to that being like a core (laughs) tenet of who you are. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about how you grew up. That's so kind. All those words are so kind. Um, I grew up like in a really interesting, different life than a lot of people. Um, but at the same time I had this dose of, um, 
so I'm adopted and I was born into, um, well, I was, I was placed into a family that, um, I love so much. My dad is a expert in the Middle East and he speaks Arabic. And so, uh, we spent time on the East coast while he was going to Harvard. And then we spent time in the Middle East, uh, for 10 years while he was doing work there. Um, but then we would come back for, you know, little bits of time. Mm-hmm. And I would have those moments where I got to like, you know, the, na- the childhood where you like run from neighbor to neighbor, I would have that for a little bit and like playing in a cul-de-sac. And then <laughs> I would go back and I'd have a life of like guards outside our house and being driven to school by a driver and, you know, and, and then being surrounded by so many different cultures and, and religions and, and, um, especially in the middle East, I mean, in Jordan specifically, which is like where I spent my middle school years, it's just like a very, um, it's it's just so many different people, Mm -hmm. so many different, um, refugees from places like Ghana and, you know, Kuwait and, you know, just like such a, I don't know. My dad uses, my dad doesn't like the word melting pot. So I, I have to like (laughs) reframe saying that word, but, uh, because he really believes that people should keep their, they shouldn't melt together in a lot of ways that they should really keep who they are and instead love others, uh, for who they are, you know, and all live together as who they are. But for lack of a better phrase, melting pot of a situation where I didn't have a lot of American friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, I've kind of had this like taste of both, of both worlds. Uh, and it's funny. My, my dad did some research and wrote some stuff about what, what my childhood was like, which is, which is basically phrase a third culture kid where you don't really fit in in America because you don't know the trends and, and what's going on in the United States really. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're American and then you're not, I'm not Jordanian. I'm not, you know, so, or I'm not Egyptian or Saudi Arabian or any of those, you know, so it's like, you have to, you, you have to find a lot of belonging within yourself because you don't identify so much with the culture surrounding you. Um, and so I think because of that, um, we had all sorts of walks of life, all sorts of religions, all sorts of cultures walking in and out of our house, staying in our home. We were exposed to just so many different people serving and loving them and really learning that we are not different at all. And that, um, and that we have so much more together and then we do a part. And so, um, I feel like they just, I I was thinking too, when you were talking, I never heard aside from all of this, I never heard my mom ever say an unkind word about one person, not, um, you know, that shirt is ugly on her, or I can't believe that person did that to me. Like she was just so, um, neutral for lack of, you know, just neutral to people in a way, but loving and kind. And just very, uh, the language in our home was just very inclusive. And we, and we knew that we, that's the way we spoke and the way we acted inside and outside of our home. And so, um, yeah, I think because of that, 
and my nature in a lot of ways as well. I just think I've been able, it's, it's been, it was challenging in many ways because I didn't know who I was. And so I feel like I struggled to love myself maybe more than the typical kid for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I think that's been a harder work for me. It doesn't come as naturally to me to feel comfortable in my own skin. I think that that childhood played into that, but then in that same vein, I feel like I have, I've given all that love and grace and space for everyone else, you know, and I've been able to, it's like really challenging for me to have a conversation with someone who is judging someone else because I literally just, it doesn't, it just doesn't even cross my mind. It's just like, I just think people get to choose for themselves what they want to do. Absolutely. And that's a really interesting point. Like I didn't think of it that way because you learned to give love so freely to everyone else and have compassion for everyone else. But finding that belonging within yourself is so important. So now I'm kind of curious, like what was your high school experience like? Cause you did high school in Utah, right? Yeah. So I moved back to high school. Yeah. So I moved back to Utah um, when I was 14. Okay. And so I did high school here and cause that's a hard, yeah, like, oh, yeah. so I imagine that was probably really, yes, that was not ideal. <laughs> um, I get why my parents thought it was ideal. They really wanted to integrate us back into American life mm-hmm. and, you know, life is different there. You, you, you really do boost up the community and the economy by having help. And yeah. so there's lots of help, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, full-time housekeepers and drivers and it sounds so fancy, but it's just kind of part of the, the expat culture there. And my dad was like, part of life there, I think than it is like, yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad was just like, I need this girl, you know, to work at Coldstone, which I did all through high school. You know, he just wanted me to have a very normal, like normal quotations. Yeah. Yeah, Like normal American life, which I don't even know what that is, but I see why they did what they did, you know, but it was so challenging. I felt like I honestly never even found my footing in it. Um, I had a hard time with friends. I had had a hard time keeping friends. I, I was a good dancer. So I danced on the dance company, which was helpful. You know, like it felt like I was a part of something. Mm -hmm. So definitely wasn't that I was like a loner, you know, and felt like, um, I have no one. I don't, I didn't feel that way, but it was definitely like, it didn't feel like I have my people. And I don't know, does anyone feel like that in high school? I I think there are some people that do like, (laughs) I, I know. I wondered the same thing all the time you had to just kind yeah. of assimilate into that as best you could, because it's like such a high school is such a whirlwind experience anyway. But I also, I, know, I have girlfriends that would go, they're like, I'd go back. And I'm like, really? I would never a- go back <laughs> to high school. I would <laughs> never. I graduated I feel- high school a year early because I was done with, like, I just wanted to be done with it. <laughs> You're a smart girl is what you were. Where did you go to high school? I went to Orem high. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I went to Tempio. And, and that was a whole nother thing is I went to the rich kid high school and we weren't rich. And so there was this other layer of like, how do I fit in when I like, 
I didn't have a car. Everyone else had a car. Everyone else had these like big, huge, fancy homes. Not everyone else, but it felt that way, you know, when you're in high school, like, and so it was just this whole other layer of like, who am I? I, and I didn't, you know, I kind of had the same struggles in, in the Middle East too. It's like, I was never the popular kid. I was never like, you know, I had a lot of challenges making friends and keeping friends. And that was because of how I felt about myself. It wasn't how I felt about other people. And that's what tore me apart was that I loved deeper and bigger and wider than your average human. It wasn't about what I was giving. It's, it's about, it wasn't about what I was giving to others. It was, it was about what I wasn't giving to myself. That was a knowledge that came later. Oh, absolutely. And I ask about that because I feel like sometimes even as like grown 30 something women, I feel like we still, I don't know if it's like our culture. I don't know if it's a Utah thing. I don't know if it's because of Instagram. I just feel like sometimes, I don't know, adult friendships, adult female friendships have been hard for me too. And I feel like sometimes it's like reliving that high school experience. (laughs) Not sometimes it is. What you're saying and what you're talking about is pretty universal and can definitely be applied to all of us today and how we might be feeling right now and how we might be trying to assimilate. Like some, I, sometimes I feel like there's such a like blurred line between like what we actually want out of our lives and what we want our experience to be like in life or what we've been told that we should want, if that makes any sense. And yeah, that's something that I've been trying to figure out a lot for myself. And I mean, I don't know if I would even be on Instagram or social media, if I wasn't like trying to grow this podcast or something, it is hard. So I think about that all the time. You, you are not alone. I'm, I, when I meet someone who's like, Oh, I'm not on social media. I'm like, what is it like? Like, Tell me everything. (laughs) Like what, how happy are you? Like what? I can't even take me with you. Like I, it's hard for me because I feel like so much of my end goal is never being on the internet again, which sounds crazy. Well, why don't you just do it now? Well, it's twofold. Of course it's my business, but also I really enjoy the connections I have with people. And I really enjoy the women I get to talk to and befriend and, and converse with, and they're smart and they're funny and they're wise and they, they're supportive. And I, and I feel like I support them in many ways, you know, at least I try. And so it's like, it is, it's this, you know, it's a really challenging thing to meet those. I mean, it's just the biggest mirror on the planet, right? Like totally. you scroll from person to person and, and you have the opportunity to be triggered because you see in them something you don't like in yourself. And so it requires a lot more practice in protecting your energy. Yeah. It really does force us to get to know ourselves and have some boundaries and work on self-awareness and self-acceptance. And I mean, I'm just glad that we didn't have Instagram when we were in high school. I don't imagine kids these days are doing it, but my own kids, it's like, (laughs) I'm glad that we didn't have it, but now I'm like trying to figure out how to help them navigate it because I don't know if I would have survived (laughs) like that. 
I wouldn't have comparison. I think you get, I think you kind of get used to almost, and I don't know, maybe you can speak to having grown up in America. Maybe this is true for all people, but Mm -hmm. I feel like you, I got used to blending in. Like that was really kind of being a chameleon and like, Mm -hmm. so that other people are comfortable because everyone's so different. So it's like, by the time you've spent all this energy, like being sure everyone else feels comfortable and you're blending in with them and you're fitting in with them, you have no idea who you are yourself. And I don't know if that's exasperated by the fact that there's so many different walks of life when you're growing up internationally. But I, I feel that way. I feel like by the time you've spent all that energy, it's like, there's no time left to figure out actually who you even are. Yeah, I agree with that. And, but I felt the same way growing up here in Utah and I grew up outside of the Mormon church. And so I always felt oh yeah, outsider because I wasn't a member of the church. And so I didn't always get included or invited to things, or I had judgment put on me as like a young woman because of that, that was not, you know, anyway. Um, so I do feel like that there must be something to that. That's like universal. I mean, no matter where we grew up. Yeah. But I also feel like there was just something in our culture growing up that like, that's different now. I see my kids growing up differently. Like, I feel like for us, when we were kids, that was even like in the media and stuff, all of the messaging that we got was about blending in with everyone else, following the trends and dressing the same. And, but I feel like like our kids are getting more messaging about being yourself and like, figuring out who you are inside. And I do feel like even though social media can be a really tough and negative influence in their lives, there is also like, I, in my opinion, a massive difference in how in like the cultural messaging we got um, versus what my older kids are getting now. And they do, I think they do have more room and just feel more naturally able to explore themselves and exist more as authentic, different humans. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I feel like for me, I feel like I, I know how to say the most when I'm struggling and I've had to look at that and say like, okay, I need to say more when I'm positive, when I'm happy. I mean, I'm always a positive person, but like, it almost feels like trivial or dumb to get online and just be like dancing or happy or you know, or making s'mores, you know, that stuff feels stupid to me now, but, but really I'm looking at it and going, but why? Like, you know, you don't always have to talk only about the hard things. Cause I think that that's, that's, we need to know that it gets better, that, that there are good times. And that I think about parenting, it's like, if I only posted all the times I want to just run away and leave my family. It, it would just, who would want to be inspired to have a family or to have children when it's such a good experience, you know? And I think, I think touching on both things, um, that, and we were talking about earlier is just, it's really powerful to, to, to both say, I'm happy at this time in my life and I'm not looking for problems and I'm not trying to manufacture them. Like, like you said. Yeah. And maybe sometimes, I mean, I know for me, sometimes it feels like when life does feel really good or you're like in a sweet spot, my internal anxiety is waiting 
for the next shoe to drop. Oh yeah. On a good day or a good month or whatever. Something is going to happen. It's like, we don't deserve to be happy. And I think that I, yeah, I think that, you know, there's these people that they're like, get over your knee, but they're also the people that are like, why aren't you suffering? You know, like they, they just suffering enough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's like a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. It's coming back to that empathy and compassion for others. And, and when you have enough, when you have so much empathy and compassion for yourself, you are able to have it for other people because you see them in new ways that I, that almost to a fault. Like I can watch a show about someone who was a horrible person and like committed a million crimes. And I'm, I'm just like, they must have been hurting, you know? And I, I, it's like, you know, we have to have boundaries around people and, you know, we have to protect ourselves against, you know, the evils of this world. Of course, like, you know, there are terrible, there are terrible humans that there's no doubt about that, but behind them is a lot of pain and suffering. And, and, and when you understand that, I I just think that your life gets a lot lighter. Um, because yeah, you kind I, of understand them, even though you may not react in that way that, that was so horrible and, and that that's not appropriate. And we don't want that happening, but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. And I totally, yeah. agree with you. I'm the same way where I have like an abundance of empathy and understanding for people. And I like really spend a lot of time trying to understand what must be going on, like what must be going on for them or what I know about what's going on for them and why they're acting this way. And so that's like, I mean, my own personal struggle with boundaries, I think that's the hardest thing for me with boundaries is because I want to have so much empathy for others, but like at some point I have to prioritize my own, my own well-being. I can can understand them and I can also have personal boundaries and (laughs) around what I will and will not be able to tolerate what I have capacity for, which can shift over time too. I think sometimes I have more capacity to like be more compassionate and give people more leeway in my life. And other times it's like, no, I don't have any capacity. I just like, I have to have a stronger boundary. So it's just, I think that's another thing that's hard is like, it's always shifting for us too, because we're always growing and changing, I think. So we have to like evaluate boundaries and things like that around those relationships and around Instagram and yeah. And we can, yeah. And we can rephrase it and it's not bad. You know, we can rephrase it and like how great that things are always changing. You know, you know, that I always say nothing is forever. And some people are like, Oh, that hurts my feelings. I want to, I want my family forever or whatever it is they've chosen is forever. And I'm like, no, to me, it's so really such a relief to know that nothing is forever, that like we can always change and grow and adapt and pivot and what works for us before it may not work for us now. And those boundaries are ever fluid and changing. Um, because I think, I think I talked about this on the podcast where it's like, you know, you grow up and you, you like, the, you get this job or you choose this person or you, um, are born into a religion or a culture, whatever it is. It's like, I have to keep choosing this the rest of my life. Like that's commitment. But I think the commitment to yourself is the commitment to be aligned with yourself. And that is always changing. You are always changing. 
Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and giving yourself the space, allowing yourself to change. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it's already been an hour that we've been talking. I know. <laughs> so fast. I could talk to you for like two more hours. I know. Uh, I am trying to start something new. At the end of the podcast, when I have a guest, I want to start asking everyone. So you'll be the first. I, I feel like maybe a lot of the things that I talk about on this show or want to talk about might feel a little bit heavier and more serious because I guess I can relate to you in that way also where like I have so much to say when I've been through something or I'm feeling strongly about something and it's, and I could, I could write or talk for a really long time about that kind of stuff, but I want to give space and energy to also joy and what feels joyful and more lighthearted. So I just wanted to ask you, what is bringing you joy today or this week or at this moment in life? What is something that brings you joy? I love that question because I love the word joy so much. I feel like, could there be an emotion? Like it makes me emotional. Like, could there be a thing I would want to be more than joyful? No, like to me, it's just, it fills your lungs and your cells and it's just the best feeling in the world. So I think for me, it's sunshine. I'm a Gemini. And so I'm born this month and like summertime is, I feel like I am just the better version of Jenna and it's the sunshine and it's going to the pool with my kids. And I feel like I am not the mom to follow through on the homework and to be disciplined (laughs) and to be strict. Like I, the rules, are very fluid in our home because of me, (laughs) but I can take a hundred kids to the pool and I can get them popsicles and I can ride them around on the razor and I can ride bikes with them and be outside. And like, that's something I'm good at. So I feel like the best parts of me shine when the sun is shining for sure. So I love that so much. That's simple, but no, it's, that's it for me. (laughs) This is your time. (laughs) And you are, you're just glowing and full of light all the time. I think so. I'm so grateful that you, you are too. And happy birthday. It's your birthday this month. So June 14th. Yeah. I was going to ask you what day. Oh, that's awesome. June 14th flag day. I knew I was like, there's something on June 14th. That feels yeah. Like it's flag day. I mean, I don't know that people think it's a big deal, but my mom used to tell me they put the flags out for me. So that's oh, always in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why the 4th of July is my favorite holiday. I just, I love it. I love the summertime. Yeah. It's like, I always say I'm like a lizard and I get my energy from the sun. Like I need to be on a red rock somewhere getting energy from the sun. (laughs) I love that. Thank you for being here and making time for me. And I'm so glad that my listeners could hear from you. And I will just let everybody know if you want to get to know Jenna better. She has a podcast also that's called Dear Jenna. If you want to get to know Jenna more, she has a lot of wisdom and beautiful insights to share. And I, you mentioned, I don't remember what episode it was in, but you talked in one of your episodes about how you grew up watching Oprah and loving Oprah. And she's like someone who I also feel like I was partially raised by Oprah every afternoon. Yes. <laughs> Four o'clock. Yes. yes. <laughs> totally how I feel. I love her so much. I love her too. I think like subconsciously I started a podcast so I could live out my wild dreams of being like Oprah when I grow up. <laughs> I think that's me too. Like, I love and it. I think, don't you think that taught you a lot of empathy and compassion too? Cause I feel like she's has yes, so much empathy. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. I feel like I had a lot of exposure 
even just from watching her show and built a lot of empathy. So I loved that, yeah. that, we have that in common. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have the best day that's available to you today. Thank you for joining. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. That's it. <laughs> that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jenna. And again, thank you so much for being here. Whether it's your first time listening to Community or your 10th, please remember to follow the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you had a moment to leave me a five-star rating, that would absolutely make my day. Until next time, we'll talk soon.